5: You ready to check your feelings at the door?
4: Check it out. Check it out.
5: This is Am I Reister or Am I Wrong? We're bringing you facts and only the truth now. Am I Reister
6: or am I wrong? I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden, and this is Reister or Wrong. All right. First thing up, college football is dominating the landscape because you have all these kids in the transfer portal. You have, you know, coaches jumping from left and right, all of this. Right. And that got me to thinking because I'm a father of a of a kid who's coming up through the high school ranks. He's starting to get recruited. He's got a couple scholarship offers, all of this stuff. And I keep trying to figure out, like, how are we going to navigate this landscape? Because it's easy to say. From the outside looking in, as a college football fan, okay, what would you do? How do you react to this? what What should this kid do? He's not tough enough. He won't stick it out. And I keep thinking because we were on the verge of transferring high schools this off season, like in, in, in between winter, uh, the the fall term and winter. Ended up having a discussion with the coach. Decide to stay. Fight it out. All of that whole whole stuff. And Ralph, you cover all these high school people, and you see, and we see on message boards, people tweeting us, all of this stuff. Kirk Herbstreit talking all this. and we keep talking about how, what should these kids do? And we keep hearing college football is broken. College football is broken. I don't think that college football is broken. I think that decision-making is broken in times with, with, with people. But at the end of the day, all these kids and all their parents are trying to do the exact same thing. We're all trying to put our kids in the right position, in the right place, give them the best opportunity. But how you go about that is not always a straight path.
5: Exactly, exactly. My son came to me the other day and he said, that he wants to be in entertainment, right? Well, I live in Charlotte and they have a lottery um, that basically he wants to play music, tell jokes, act, whatever, fine arts, right? He he wants to go the fine arts path. And Charlotte uh, has a bunch of private schools for all the people who are high up in banking to send their kids to expensive schools. (laughs) And and the Charlotte uh, public school system has specific schools that you can get into a lottery for. uh, And one of them is a fine arts school. And there's a one-week window in which you can enter this lottery. So my 12-year-old comes downstairs. He has this conversation with me. And it's on the day the lottery opens. And I immediately have to start thinking of, like, does that mean that I put him in a lottery to potentially send him to a different school to encourage and get the most out of him? Or do we foster it in the environment that we're we're currently in in and you have to ask yourselves these questions none of which anybody ever prepared you for and the truth is the easiest thing to do in a, in a situation like that is to look at what somebody else is doing is to walk a road that somebody else walked is because every path is going to have some resistance so you're going to look for the path of least resistance right and it's not about making things easy for your kid it's about giving them the opportunity to if they make things hard on themselves to get the most out of themselves, you still want them to put in the effort. You still okay, want so, them to be the so best. So how do you?
6: D- but but that's the that's the question, right?
5: I'm because, asking you. No no no, no no no.
6: I, I know. So I'm saying so so you that's tell the question.
5: Me, I don't know what to do.
6: That 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 we deal with, right? Because you're dealing yes. with the fine arts thing. I'm dealing with the sports thing, right? Yeah. So my kid is in a situation to where he's a quarterback. He was a high-level baseball player, stopped playing baseball, wants to go play football, tremendous athlete. Any path he took, he was going to be fine. But now he's in a situation where he he was buried on the depth chart when we first got there as a freshman because they thought he was going to play baseball, so they had other quarterbacks there. And then he then everybody else graduates and transfers out. Four other quarterbacks transfer out. He's in there. And then this kid comes in from Culver City who's a freshman who has a few offers. He's got a little bit of a name, thinks he's hot. You know, it's clear that he thinks very highly of himself. And so, and he's got a name, but my kid, he's got my last name. But in terms of the sports world, he doesn't have the same cachet so far that all these other kids have until coaches see him and they're like, oh, shit, this kid's nice, right? And... So I was in a situation to where okay, we could leave or we could stay, right? And there's an element of okay, you want your coach to believe in you and say you're the guy we're going to build around you, all of those things. But then you don't want to knock down so much adversity, I don't want to knock down so much adversity for him that that it doesn't make him a fighter, that he needs that that I turn into a bulldozer parent where I knock down all obstacles But when it comes to his life, he's going to have to face some of these obstacles himself. So what I decided to do was leave him in the school because because the school itself is fantastic. Fantastic. Academically, socially, he loved Like everything I really, really like about the school. And so we decided to leave him there. And seeing how he has reacted from having some competition and adversity, Oh, my God, it has warmed my heart in, like, such. And so, am I hoping? I mean, is it a chance he could lose the battle? Yes. But I don't think he will. But just the fact of seeing him have to go through this and prepare and work and see the motivation that it has given him has shown me that I'm making the right decision. Now, mind you, this whole decision created a big fight between me and my wife. Huge fight. Uh, Okay. Going back to putting him in the school three years ago now, right?
5: Mm-hmm.
6: Because she was like, listen, George, the school's expensive, blah, blah, blah. Don't think you should do it. Wait till he gets in high school instead of going to eighth grade, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, but I decided to do it and that created a huge fight because I prayed about it. I was like, yo, I know for sure that this is the right move." You know what I mean? And she wasn't but behind it, but now she is behind the decision. It's so much so that she wants all the kids to go there. So, uh, but but as far as your son goes, though, Ralph, I just think that this is that you do want him to be around like-minded people. Right. That you do want him to be in a position where his gifts and talents can be used to flourish. Right that right that there is an element of he's got to work hard and bust his ass to get it but also he's in an environment that's going to foster that and i think that that's the same thing that these parents are trying to do in college football except for there's a different aspect of it too which is these kids want to go pro so there's a financial aspect of it that could be life changing that then clouds the decision-making process and P and all people can see is the destination and not realizing that the path is not straight for everybody. Aaron, uh, Aaron Rodgers ended up at what Butte community college, or you could end, but, and then was a first round pick, but he fell in the first round, but he was still a first round pick. But then you have, Baker Mayfield was a walk on transfer ends up Heisman trophy, number one pick. But then you have the Cam Newtons who was always a great player or the, or, you know, Trevor Lawrence who was wire to wire number one player in the world, uh, number one player in high school, college. And, and now it was the number one overall pick. So the path is not straight, but I think that people are so enamored with having the straight path that, that, that they aren't willing to let some of the adversity happen because it may not look like it's going to be the straight road, but then injuries happen, coaching changes, and all this. And some of that works to your benefit, even though it doesn't look like it is.
5: Though I think the question that we have to ask ourselves, because there's a lot of people that believe that things are trending in a direction that they shouldn't be, but some of the people who believe that way only believe that way because they like things the way that they were. People don't like change. And I, I used to hate that. I used to hate that phrase because I thought it was so dismissive. And, and to some extent, it is. But you do have to get to the bottom of why people don't like change, why people like to feel like they have 10 toes down. Right. People like to feel like they are on stable ground and that they understand their environment, especially if they came to enjoy something because of the way that it was. If they go to a restaurant that starts using more sustainable ingredients that are better for the environment, but they alter the taste that made that person fall in love with eating at that restaurant. You can't, as a restaurant owner, come out and yell at that customer for not liking the food as much. So there are a lot of people who are accusing players of having a lack of commitment. But the truth behind saying that the players have a lack of commitment is, I mean, I liked football the way that it was. I don't like to see a a whole lot of change. And all you can do to explain to some of those people is, is try to outline that maybe some of the adversity that could, could, not does, could build character for the people who are going through that adversity was actually unnecessary. It was actually unnecessary, like until they invented a good running shoe, <laughs> having that pain in your shins and your back and your feet was unnecessary adversity. Correct. Yep. It was so there within the the, uh, the ecosphere of college football, there is a lot of unnecessary adversity created. um over over time. And some of that comes down to having coaches with con- control issues, having coaches believe that uh, verbal and mental abuse is actually the best way to uh, squeeze every ounce out of you because that's the way that they were treated. But that doesn't necessarily line up with um, psychology and and science and everything that we know to be true. Um but there actually is some truth in the fact that we have helicopter parents, we have steamroller parents, we have people that just want their kids to have the best possible opportunity with the least amount of resistance. All of those things are mixed in together and you have to judge everything on its individual merits. But the nice thing is, it's still a meritocracy, George, and at the end of the day, you got to perform, you got to work hard, you got to be So what's understand the necessary the So then
6: that begs the question, what's the necessary amount of adversity though? like what is the necessary amount of adversity because if you're looking at if you're looking at wanting to build a strong kid, right? You're looking right. to want to build a a leader, somebody who can go out and conquer the world and do dope things. But now also you're trying to say, okay, where's the best chance for them to get to the league, to them to get an opportunity because because here's the thing there is a huge misconception about what it takes to get to the NFL. They're like, oh, there's a lot of parents that think, oh, my God, my, my, my kid's got to be, for me him to get to college, he's got to be a starter by his sophomore year. He's got to be um, a... In high school, he's got to be a starter in college. We want to be able to get minutes as a or playing time as a freshman or as a sophomore or he's got to get so many like his stats aren't good enough because people focus on stats so many times. Stats do not get you to the NFL. They do not. That's why SEC players of the year have gone undrafted or drafted late. Pac-12 players of the year have gone undrafted or drafted late. uh, ACC, Big Ten, Big 12, all of them. That's why stats and accolades in college do not matter. It doesn't matter if you were consensus All-American. It doesn't. It just matters what NFL teams believe that you can do in the future based upon your athleticism, based upon a bunch of measurables, and sometimes people don't have the right metrics to judge you by. They don't know your heart. They don't know how you're going to respond to success. Or getting millions of dollars. They don't know that. Right. And so and and a lot of times, your circumstances that happen to you are actually the things that make you great. Because the the idea though, <clears throat> because and th- this one thing that I always like wonder about my my own kids is I'm like, okay, I want to give them a better life than I had, more opportunities, all of all of all of that. But then how do I do that and then instill in them that you got to bust your ass for this, that you can't just expect right. for this to just happen for you because your last name is rice you're physically gifted. All of these things where for my son, that's actually hurt him at when when he was younger because he was such a good athlete. He had success without being the, the hardest worker. Now he's a super hard worker. But he had so much success without being that that it was a hard breaking in process for him to understand the work that it needed because he could just show up and was and was on third base physically.
5: Yes, I agree. With you. And I, I think that it is um, I, I think it's it's sort of circular, right? If you start out and you have the talent. So if you start out with the talent, you then need the desire and then you need the determination, but you can start out with the desire, get the determination and build that into talent. Maybe not elite starting level talent, okay? but, but you can do it. And so it's it, you have to you have to be part of a circle that can honestly evaluate uh, who you are and, and where you're at. Do you just want something for the fruits of the labor at the end? Is it like a little red hen scenario where you're not willing to put in the work? You just want the the end result because desire by itself isn't going to do much for you. Yeah. Do you have the, it, 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 but, but if do you, have you really have
6: desire if you don't put in the work?
5: That's a great question. That's a chicken or egg thing, right? But I think a lot of people want to be rich. And they genuinely want to be rich, but when they find out what it takes to potentially build up the business knowledge or the, uh, or, or maybe they don't have the, um, uh, what is it? The risk, uh, the taste for risk um, that, that you might need. So a lot of people want the end result. And then upon finding out what it takes to get that end result, they find out that their desire isn't going to also be met with determination in order to accomplish that thing. So, you know, for, for, so, Back to my son who wants to go to this fine arts high school, right? There's no sports there. There's no sports there. And one of the things I want for my kids is just to have a well-rounded experience, to be in a situation, to be part of a team, to be – even if you're a tackling dummy. But to to be able to witness and to have a seat up close to what it actually takes to – Uh, work hard and achieve something that you might not actually have all the talent in the world in the first place. And also to be part of a cooperative environment where you're invested in each other's success to pursue an ultimate goal, no matter, no matter what the thing is. So now I'm in a situation where I'm like, okay, so do I take him out of the ability to have that experience in order to foster this other thing that he does have a desire for? Yeah. But can't you do, I still don't know if he's going to have the determination I, I, I guess you can. I mean, can't, I guess can't, you can.
6: can't you put him in that high school? Because I do think that being around like-minded people is crucial in life. Right? right. But, and then also get him involved in some team activities.
5: Yeah. And I would assume, you know, putting on a play, it, it has some of those yeah. elements, you know, to, it and, and, and everything like that, Th- those things you can absolutely do. But I just think, I just think that it's, if if you're a parent or you're an athlete out there, All you want is the opportunity to earn an opportunity to earn more opportunities. That's it. That's it. Uh, There are a lot of kids who the goal was a scholarship. Once they get the scholarship, they don't necessarily have a a plan beyond that. And it is really hard, especially when we live in an age where more and more it's, it's more fashionable to not need to know who you are or what you're about, maybe until you're late, 20s, try a bunch of different things, see what you're about, but you still have to have values and you still have to have goals and you still have to make sure that whatever you're involved in is something you can use and isn't using you. My, my, my guy, uh, my, my friend Chili, uh, always says, you know, football is never going to love you as much as you love it. So, what can you do with it? Uh, a young prospect, in my mind, has to look around at the environment around them and see how people around them are using football. George, you use football to build yourself into having this platform. It still took talent and it still took a lot of hard work and a lot of determination to be uh, on um, Sirius XM, to be on Fox sports radio, to be able to manage your own website, to be able to manage your own three times a week podcast. That all still took a lot of determination uh, and, and, and time an effort on your part, but you've used football to get you to that point. I want kids to look around and see like, Hey, do you see that coach that had a cup of coffee on a practice squad, but puts NFL player on his resume to, to, to be able to get jobs in high school coaching and, and move up in the world? Do you see, uh, do you see the people out there like me who were tackling dummies who realized um, there's a lot of stories that aren't being told, within the world of football that are gonna use their experience being uh, not one of the best players uh, but but one of the most aware players to be able to go in and t- and relate to these players and tell their stories. How is football being used? And I think that's the most important thing. Uh, it, you have to outline what you want to get out of all this because if you're just in it for the 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 immediate momentary glory that, that that's ahead of you, then yeah, you're going to want that D one offer. You're going to want to transfer from a mid level school to a high level school for that one year of N- uh, NIL money or. Or high level support, but there's always an after. What comes next? Yep. What's after that? And if you don't know what your footing's gonna be and you don't know how you're gonna use football when it's done using you, then you're in trouble.
7: You and are one. At some point right you're done that. being
5: parented. At yep. some point you are done being parented. Uh
6: see, you are done being parented, but I think there's a mentorship element that needs to take care of that. Because one of the things that was hard for me is is that I was kind of forging this path for the first time in my family. So you don't know where to go and you have this attitude, I want to do it all by myself, self-made man, all of that. But right. in reality, mentors and finding responsible people who are credible to listen to, that is the
4: key to su- success. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape.
6: And I'm gonna play a video of it. This is from the Phoenix Suns Toronto Raptors game <laughs> yesterday, and this is uh, Ralph's guy, um, Devin Booker. Uh, he is, um, and the stadium is completely empty. And I think that this just, that this just illustrates illustrates how when you focus on the wrong thing, it can distract you, right? So, this is Devin Booker. It's 6.5 seconds left in the game. He's shooting free throws. And the the stadium is empty because of COVID protocols going on in Canada. But the mascot, one freaking mascot, bothered Devin Booker. 12-16 tonight collectively as a team. 4-6 in the first one. And he made the first free throw. Now,
5: if you're Monty Williams here. If Booker makes the second free throw, by the way, Booker's complaining about the Raptor,
2: the lone fan that's there. I mean, mean, one the Raptor, Raptor, he's been sent away. Smith sent him away. Come on, there's nobody in the
5: gym. That ain't right. Come on, you play you played at Kentucky in the SEC. You know they're not going crazy when you play.
6: I just looked at that as a just. so he's used to playing in front of 20,000 people a night, people yelling, cussing at him, name calling all of this stuff. But in the absence of all the rest of the noise, one little mascot bugged him. I mean, think, think about it. Had there been 20,000 people in there mascot does the same thing. Do you think it even gets into his head at all?
5: No, absolutely not. There's so much noise that it, it, it sort of, uh, you get into a place where um, I don't know if it cancels itself out, but you have to go within yourself. You have to in an environment where 20,000 answer me this, George, if you said uh, something on Twitter and one person was like, you're an idiot. Wouldn't it be easier to focus on that one person saying you're an idiot than if you upset all of University of Florida's fans which you've done in the past? <laughs> or you multiple don't have Ray ability- or
6: Lamar Jackson fans. <laughs> yeah.
5: Right. And you don't even have the ability to respond to the like 30 different tweets calling you a moron that come in every single second. <laughs> so, no,
6: no, you I- are you are you are right. And it's funny because when there is more of them, it makes me laugh even more. Like, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. There's a, there, there, there's a consensus here. But, it, but if there's one, see, this is why I think that it is important to pay attention to the voices that matter to you, right? Because to me, people, call, people calling me a moron for a sports take or something on Twitter doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother me at all. But if 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 Ralph said to me, George, or my or my wife, or my son, or the few other people in, in my life that were like, George, this is colossally bad. You're you're a moron for that. I'd be like, hold up, let me reevaluate this whole like, let me reevaluate it. And the craziest part is. That's exactly why, and this is totally go off on a tangent. This is why. I thought you
5: were about to say, like, maybe that was his dad, Melvin, in the Raptor suit. Ah, uh, right? That's and that's why is, he's upset.
6: Dude, dude. If, maybe you it was know, Kendall Jenner. You know whose dad would have would have done that? Absolutely. Tiger Woods' dad. <laughs> Tiger Woods' dad would have done that to him. But on, on, a, on an aside, right? I believe that this concept is exactly why Joe Judge got fired by the by the Giants. Okay, the so, New York Giants, yeah. Okay, because they initially were going to keep him as their head coach, right? And yes. it was the fact that c- people close to Tish Mara, the owners and president, that they believed that they were that they were stupid. That's why. Stupid for keeping him. And it wasn't because, I mean, because if you look at the situation, their starting quarterback only played 11 games. Their running back, who did Saquon Barkley, who they drafted very highly, he only played like 13 games when he was coming off an ACL, only rushed for 563 yards, was tied with De, uh, De, Devontae Booker for the, the league lead with 563 yards. Their wide receivers were hurt all year. If you look at it on, and they were saddled with a terrible general manager, old dinosaur general manager, and Dave Gettleman. So it was a situation where you couldn't really be successful. But then at the end of the game on on week eighteen, they could have uh, faded all the fans in the stands that weren't there. Only like ten or fifteen thousand people there because they know next season you win, Giants fans will be back. But it was the fact that this man quit and he went down and and uh, quarterback sneaked it on second and third down. When, and third and nine. Didn't even try. He completely gave up. It was people that were close to them that were laughing at them and probably texting them like, yo, you're stupid for keeping this dude. This dude is a we quit and then the press conference thing and that was why they fired him because they felt stupid. They felt like other people felt like they were stupid. That's why they got fired. And it was the noise from certain people who mattered. And Devin Booker in this case was paying attention to somebody that didn't matter.
5: <laughs> okay, so um I hate I hate this whole thing. It is funny um the josiah johnson tweet of the raptor wait because i'm i I don't know that was hilarious um but joe and josiah is your boy and and you've i've been able to meet him through you and everything um he knows his audience and 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 it's people who grew up in a certain time and like literally anybody who was there in theaters for that first jurassic park remembers that scene of the raptor uh, in the kitchen yes uh, chasing after the family and so when he said that the raptor was waiting outside the yeah. uh the son's locker room <laughs> oh my god i was crying <laughs> that's one of the funniest things i've ever seen so to me it was worth it just for everybody to get their jokes off but i do hate it because there's been a lot of different things in in devin booker's career up to this point where people who don't actually take the time to watch him to realize that he's like he's like the um and I know that people really bristle at the Kobe comparisons, but he's like a Kobe sized Tim Duncan. He's actually like, a, a um, the, I a, meet a midsize fundamental, you know, Tim Duncan was the big fundamental. Yeah. Like Devin Booker is all footwork and fundamentals. Yeah. Like that, See, he's I not just... the most athletic guy in the world. He works really hard, but there's like a couple of things now that make people think that Devin Booker's a diva when he's actually the most blue collar dude. Correct. Uh, and, and this is just going to pile on to be another one of those things. And it also made me mad because then you had all the Toronto sports media calling him soft and everything. Like they didn't spend seven years with number one pick Andrea Bargnani, seven feet tall, getting less than five rebounds a game. Yeah. Like, let's not talk about anybody's franchise having anything Correct. soft. And I know you've had your own beef with Raptors fans. I'm not trying to have my own. <laughs> but it, it, should, should Booker have gotten distracted by the mascot? No. Is it hilarious and am I glad it happened? Absolutely. Incredible.
6: Yeah. All right. There was something else that happened in the NBA. This is John John Morant. And John Morant, who has been on a tear lately, Raptors, I'm sorry, the Grizzlies have won 10 straight games.
5: And you and let's be clear, let's be clear, you just got on the John Morant bandwagon. You personally just got on. And I want you to remind the viewers and listeners why you weren't on it before this
6: week. (laughs) Okay, because because John Morant has put his hair in a ponytail. That's literally why. Because there is never, he, he could be the first NBA superstar that has ever had to put his hair in a ponytail to go out and play. Like, there are guys who used to be really good and then grew their hair out, and they've been bad ever since. It's usually after injury, though, but he's the first one and bra- braids don't count because they stick to your head. You don't actually have to do that. But him with the uh, dreads, yep, he's got it. He's got to do it, and he's the first guy who's going to turn into an NBA superstar with the with uh, hair that has to be put in a ponytail. But now, here is the thing about Ja Ja Morant. Ja Morant is a feels like very twenty twenty two. Like very 2021, 2022, where we love when things are going great, but we don't love it when things aren't going great. So here's what happened last night when they were playing against, uh, yeah, when they were playing in in the game against the Golden State Warriors at home.
5: After the last bucket, you got Drew the Fowler, you go into the stands, and there's a little kid
3: wearing yeah, a Warriors... He
6: disrespectful with that jersey on.
3: He, what, say that again?
6: He was disrespectful with, <laughs> with the
3: jersey, jersey on. on. You, no mercy for the little kid.
5: Nah. <laughs> we in Memphis. It looked like he wanted to cheer, but he had that jersey on. <laughs> I apologize to him, but in that moment, bro, take the jersey off and then dap me up. <laughs> Do you nah, expect him back?
6: No, and- so the kid... <laughs> so Ja Morant yells at like clear, a... To be clear, this isn't like a 13-year-old. This like a second grader (laughs) yes yells at him like right and i understand the hype. yeah and i understand and i understand the hype in the moment right but then i'm laughing because i'm like (laughs) john moran's the same dude that got up there and cried a couple weeks weeks ago because memphis fans were like you're not playing well. Go back on the injured list. We were playing better with without you. And he was like, and it really hurt hurt my feelings. And and I don't mind that he was honest and all of that. But it's like, okay, so so it's very easy to have this energy that John Morant had when stuff's going right. You're on a 10-game winning streak. You're playing well. All of this stuff, you just beat the Warriors, just beat the Lakers, feeling good about yourself. But as soon as you have a bad day and the crowd crowd boos, you're like, it was terrible. It was terrible. I'm a, I was sad.
5: So you're saying he should have been like UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson Robinson who, who uh, signed a, a UCLA hat for a kid in a USC jersey? No, After I'm just saying touchdown. keep that
6: same energy all the time, bro. like what whatever your energy is, you got to be able to keep it all the all the time. You can't say on one on one hand, oh man, this kid was disrespectful, wearing the jersey. I yelled at him, all this stuff. But then at the same time when when the booze come,
5: it it doesn't fuel you, but I do but i but to me, it does feel consistent because he's specifically saying like, memphis is mine if you're in memphis you're about me that's what it feels like and to me there's consistency in that right if you're gonna be in this crowd memphis crowd be about memphis that's what that's where i see the the parallel but i also and you know this too george john Morant's dad is a world-class hater like if there's one person on this earth not impressed with John Morant. It's his dad. And they openly talk about this all the time that his dad always tells him he's never done anything yet. And that makes me, I I genuinely wonder if some of that, uh, some of that, like, uh, genetic, uh, upbringing (laughs) factored into the way that he interacted with a seven-year-old and was totally comfortable mean mugging, uh, somebody who spent their day in class painting. Dude, I see I have no problem with with that part of it. I
6: got no problem with that part of part of it, bro, cuz if you're cheering if my mother were up there cheering against against <laughs> me, she can get it, bro. She can get it. My my own kid can get it. When when I play my kid in video games, you would you would think he's a stranger. <laughs> so, I I have no problem with with that. I'm just saying keep the same energy that you had a couple weeks ago when when the fans when your home crowd was booing you and or, or saying mean things to you, just just keep that same energy, Ja.
5: I don't. I do not believe that any of these players are 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 soft. Uh, no, especially comparatively. to like that, but which no, no. Is I think softer? that com- comparatively shuing?
6: to each other, yeah, but not comparison to most of the rest of the world.
5: Which is softer, shoeing the mascot or mean mugging a seven
6: year old? <laughs> shoeing the mascot. Okay. Showing the mascot. It's not even close. It's not even close. Okay. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, now the next thing. Uh, this is a little bit off the beaten topic, but Ralph he ordered some sage seeds and he ran into a kawinky dink that all of us have had at some point in point in time. So so Ralph is a is a horticulturist. By, by, uh, by, by hobby grows things. He's a gardener, all these, which th- is
5: your fault. Well, I do have to remind the people okay. <laughs> that, mo- that it's partially your fault. I yes.
6: Like. You were already into it. I just upped the ante for you, buddy. Big time. So, Big so, time. so then, so Ralph's growing things and all this stuff. So he decides that he's going to order sage seeds, like, so he can grow his own sage instead of going out and going to go buy sage you know, and burn it, and all this. But the, here's the thing: you may not know. Ralph is also a Native American. He is 50 percent uh, Northern Cheyenne. Okay, Lord. My dad's 50 percent. Okay, so his dad's 50 percent. I'm half. Yeah, so he's a quarter Northern Cheyenne Native American, and so he wants to burn sage for his heritage, but also to, to, to you know, for all the purposes of sage. And now. And now the sage comes, right? Ralph gets the sage in the mail and then tell the people your dilemma.
5: Okay, so my my dad was raised in Montana. I was raised in Arizona, very far away from the reservation. I've been back uh, a few times and I'm connected to some of that family and social media has been a big help. But I don't actually like, I mean, outside of outside of some conversations here and there i don't really partake in a lot of the the cultural stuff um and and a lot of that has just been being raised uh, away from it right so um i you know I'll, I'll go to a powwow if i'm in town but i'm not like i'm not staging one uh i don't um i maybe 2000 people left on earth know the language I know like three words, you know, it's not, it's just not something that's really part of my daily life. Uh, But we are, we are connected to it. My cousin is the president of, uh, of, of the tribe right now. Her name is Donna Fisher. Her, her daughter is on the council. Like I know, I know a lot of people who are still up there and I got these sage seeds and I was like, well, this is, you know, I'm growing a bunch of stuff, sage included. I don't know really what to do with it. If I was to in some way honor my, my dad's heritage, my heritage, I don't know how to like dry it, to burn it. I could go on YouTube, but I'm like the best thing to do would be to probably call up somebody in my family. I got an aunt Edith that I'm close to. I could call her, but then it hit me that like, Oh wow. Like I don't think I even called her on her birthday and I'm going to call up with a, with an Indian question. <laughs> right? Like uh, it just really felt, I I felt bad. I haven't even done anything wrong, but I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel like a bad uh I, I feel like a bad son i feel like a bad nephew i feel like a bad great nephew all that those things because like the the only time that i'm even wanting to reach out to them is be like hey how do i what, what do i do with this is this even the right kind like yeah. what am i what am i doing and i'm sure that they'd appreciate it and i'm definitely way in my own head about it um but i was telling george about it and he wanted he wanted me to talk about it okay on so. on the show how do you feel like that's relatable
6: Okay, so because we have all been in a situation where we want to call and ask somebody something, but we don't feel like that we've called them enough to be to (laughs) that. It would feel like an asshole move to, to just call them and ask them for for this when you haven't called them for any other thing. So so here is what I think about this. I think that you need to cleanse your heart of this and and just so. First thing is they'll probably appreciate the phone call. But then you do need to follow it up with some subsequent phone calls. So, so That's it's true. so if you just only call when you need something, because I've run into this situation in my own life where if I picked up the phone and called any of my family members right now, they would absolutely answer the phone. Hey, how you doing? Like, what do you what do you need? Blah, blah, blah. But I never call and ask for anything because of this same situation. So, but I do, if if I do that, though, I do try to make sure that I follow it up with subsequent phone calls just for no reason, which they're always shocked about. So that's something that I'm trying to do better with in my own life. So I get it, bro. But the answer is to pick up the phone because they they will okay. appreciate just the fact that you are reaching out. And then if you reach back out ever, then you you have already won the battle.
5: I do, I do feel like it did make me feel like majorly selfish because I was like, okay, so I got these things and it'd be helpful to connect with this part of, you know, of, of my heritage and show my kids and everything like that. But I'm not willing to to do the actual connection to yes. actually like make the phone call. Like if I'm really trying to connect, shouldn't I connect? And so yes. uh, I've been in my own head about a week on this. Well,
6: But this is why social media and all this stuff kind of make make. T- makes us lazy because you're like, Oh, they're still alive. I'll do it later. They're still oh, alive. I'll do it later. Oh, and then gosh. when they're dead, you're like, Oh shit, I should have did this. Speaking
5: of, so when you say social media makes us lazy, people always get like flabbergasted that, you know, cause I, I'll, I'll perform weddings sometimes. Right. And, and, uh, and some of them are for people older than me who I have no ad- advice uh, or business giving advice to but some of the people are younger than me. And, and one of the things that I tell them is like, Hey, if you start having kids, You're going to want to delete your parents off of social media. And they're like, well, that sounds terrible. Like, think about all the conflict and fights that will cause. And I'm like, I'm telling you, your parents don't know how to handle having social media because they are going to look at seeing your kids online the same way that they look at, like, seeing your kids in real life they're going to feel like they're part of your kids' lives in a way that they're not actually part of your kids' lives because we just share things with each other and we're passively involved. So like I'm giving people this advice to delete their parents off social media. <laughs> and I know that that's dangerous advice, but like genuinely, like if you want your parents to be, cause I think well, I, I, me and my family, we've made that mistake. Like I think that my parents, my wife's parents, they feel like they're part of our kids' lives a lot more than they actually are because we share I share so much of uh, of of what it is. I think social media. That's a good point. Social media does make us uh, a lot more, a lot more passive, and and take a lot more for granted as far as connections go. Yep. Would you ever delete your parents off social media?
6: No. Absolutely not. I don't even. My my, my mom doesn't even have an Instagram, so it, it, it's impossible to delete her. That's anyway. Helpful.
4: What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith.
6: I'm getting some gray in my beard. I have three strands of gray in my beard. I had one about a year ago. And I would pluck it out every time it came. And now there's three. And now I'm scared.
5: What are you scared for?
6: Bro, I'm 40 years old. I have gray in my beard. Like the like my like the my best. You
5: made it I think you made it probably three, four years further than than most people. Really? Uh, Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm up in the front. I got like a Jay Leno streak, like a reverse. I'm I'm like,
6: it it just hit me like a ton of bricks, dude. I'm like, it, 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 I was watching wedding crashers the other day. And that, and that scene where they're sitting on the stairs and he's like, Oh man, we're still young. He was like, we're not that young anymore. Dude, that just hit me like a ton of bricks. I was like, shit, I'm not bro. I'm not like I'm a full fledged dad, full fledged sure. dad. Got for sure, you know.
5: But you're a, a full fledged dad at every stage. So you have yes. a kid keeping you young, but you also have somebody who's about to be done with college. Yes,
6: bro. And it's like it just hit me like I can't do the same things physically I used to anymore. I can't. I, it's just this is just probably the most humbling thing. And my, like my eyesight is still good. I'm still of sound mind of all, but it doesn't make it easy. And it's these three grays that are just three grays hairline. I'm just like, bro, I am, I don't know. Like in a few years, I'm going to be my parents. Like in like my my, my, <laughs> my dad is 61 right now in 21 years, okay. I'll be 61, bro. 61. Okay. I, and I, I don't, it doesn't feel like 22 years ago. Well, 23 years ago now, in, in, in July that I checked in Oregon, 23 years ago, it doesn't feel like it's been almost 15 years. Well, well, 12 years since I played a football game. It doesn't feel like that long. It feels like yesterday still. And now I'm sitting here with three grays in my beard. I feel like I'm smarter than I ever was. I feel like I'm more in tune, uh, you know, a better overall person. But like that idea that youth was wasted on the young, that is 100%. And I feel like I wasted so much youth. And then when I look at where I'm at and I'm 40, right? There's a lot of people who who I've talked to they're like, yo, bro, you're killing it in life, blah, blah, blah. But then I look, I'm like, Kobe would have been 43, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like LeBron James is 37. Um, you know, like that that sometimes I Mark Zuckerberg is like, how does he 20 26? No, he's probably like 34 right now. And I'm just like, what am I doing with with my life? But this is why comparison is bad. <laughs> because <laughs>
5: Okay. I would, I would absolutely love, love uh to have known that it's all it took was three gray hairs to send you in. Existential crisis mode, <laughs> because I, you, you are, you have officially like entered into the zone that I live in, and I'm able to share with you, uh, some of the things that that I feel like, um, I've used as as workarounds, um, for those things. Number one, number one, if you're a Lord of the Rings fan, uh, you just look at the gray hair as like unlocking a new level of you.
6: I've only seen one, one episode, one show of, or what do you, what do you call them? One of the trilogy or yeah. Okay. So I know who Frodo is. I know who,
5: uh, (laughs) I just, I look at it this way as I say, like gray to me is leveling up. And you have to be able to take advantage of the fact that like, there's a lot of things in this world that are uh, unfairly afforded to men that should be, Uh, afforded to to uh, uh, the genders equally and and one of which is aging (laughs) and you should lean into the fact that you've been afforded the privilege to age um and not have it ruin your entire life (laughs) right so what do you mean I, i say i i mean that like there is trillions of dollars made every single year on uh, it, on any, um, any, oh, anti, anti
6: aging, uh,
5: but especially for females. Yes. Right? Okay. Especially for females, right? We just got to dye our hair and pluck a little bit. Like, there, there's not a, there's not a ton of guys out there that are, that are having to go through the absolute ringer to, to not hit existential crisis mode just because they got three gray hairs. I would consider to you, I would say that like that means that you have finally earned, uh, uh, the ability to you always say, say it with your chest. You can say it with your beard. Now you don't got to worry about puffing your chest out, George. So you got the gravitas of some gray. So, but, beard. but,
6: but how, but how do I stop the feeling of feeling like I'm failing because I haven't achieved enough at 40,
5: um, man, that's a, that's but a then really at the same time,
6: because... realizing I have a very good life. Yes.
5: Yes. Um, but is just, that
6: just a competitor in me wanting to be the best when actually the best may not look like the most achievement?
5: I guess it just depends on who you're competing with.
6: Right. Mm. Who
5: are you? Who are you like competing, competing with?
6: with, with, with me? But then when you're in an industry, you are competing with others on some level.
5: That's true. Um, yeah, I, I don't know, man. You have... uh, Do you feel like... when So you, you have a two-year-old son, right? Yep. When you are with your two-year-old son, do you feel like you are too young? And you'll see what I'm getting at in a second. When you're with your two-year-old son, do you feel like you're too young and you're overwhelmed by not knowing what to do or how to raise him? No. When you had your first child where where you felt that way yes yes yeah so this is the trade-off this is the trade-off like you actually have the benefit in certain areas of your life and the peace that comes with experience and in other areas of your life being like a very aspirational person who wants to achieve a lot see a lot taste a lot be a lot like you have all those things right you haven't achieved all of those things yet. And so those can exist as a source to overwhelm you or make you feel like you haven't done everything yet. But if you look back on the moments that you shared with your oldest son and you look at the moments that you're sharing with your youngest son right now, think about the difference. Think about the things that overwhelmed you then and, and what you're able to just do in confidence now, like yeah. to be able to just walk Damn. in experience. Now there's, there's Dude, you the the stuff that I have to tell myself to keep myself from getting uh, overwhelmed by things like that all the time, uh, it, it it can be very helpful, um, in just knowing that like the, when especially when you're in those moments when you feel at peace, because you have the experience, because you've leveled up in age and the things that you've accomplished, like you you just have to be able to rest at certain times during the day. You have to be able to rest on what you've accomplished.
6: You no, that makes to- sense.
5: Yeah. Otherwise, you just be spiraling all day, every day. But the gray is good. It has to be because I'm like, I got about 300, <laughs> 300 gray hairs all coming out of the same exact spot at the front of my head. So if you're worried about three, then I'm going to really freak out being three years younger than you and having 300.
6: Yeah. Okay, cool. All right. Well, <laughs> Ralph, that was that was good. I appreciate that. All right, you, you guys, that is right, sir, wrong for today. I'm George Reister. He's Ralph Amsden. Peace out. Catch you guys next episode.